This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. I am a blessed man. I want you to know that because I have so many fantastic friends in my life. And one of them on the show right now is BJ Colleen, automotive expert. What a blessing I have with you because otherwise I'd be talking to myself and people don't really want to hear what I have to say because I'm just a blatherer. Um, Yes. I'm not your friend. I'm family. That is true. That is true. We are all brethren and sister and whatever you call the girls. Slytherin. Yeah, we're all Slytherin. <laughs> right. yeah. Did you have a good uh, Festivus, by the way, since that was in the uh, No, I was sick, so I, oh. I by myself. But it was kind of fun. No dishes to clean up, no annoying relatives. So You know what's funny actually, is yeah. Christmas around the corner, of course. Yes. And we opted this year to not do a Christmas tree. Which is bizarre. You're going, why? And I know they smell good. They they just put a nice something in the air. They house all the little Christmas presents nicely so they're not just, you know, a bunch of presents in the corner. But because we're going to take off and go to Hawaii. So, Ooh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, like, like well, we, we can't get a Christmas tree because then it, it'll die and the house will catch on fire and there'll be, you know, like plumes of smoke like there isn't. Oh, in Hawaii right now with the volcano. Well, uh, it'll anyway. make next year more fun. So yeah, exactly. If you skip so. the year, it does make a difference. Uh, but I, and here's what happened. The bad part is I thought, I'm going to get away without Christmas this year, without, you know, without Hanukkah or Festivus or any of these things because I'm going to be gone. And then my wife says, well, you know, the kids kind of want to go too. And so it's, uh, oh boy, I think I probably would have stayed home and spent less money than what I had, I'm going to have to spend taking all the kids and their, and the Easily. grandkids. Yeah. Easily. But you know Where what? You got which island? I can't tell you because if I cause a problem over there, you'll know who it is. So it's one okay. of one of those. <laughs> no, I'm going to Maui. What the heck, right? Maui's um, fun. I'm going to hope to see McFleetwood because uh, last time I went, I helped McFleetwood from Fleetwood Mac do his wine thing years ago when he uh, had McFleetwood private seller wines and he was selling them at Costco. And so I talked about it on the show and I had him on the show and it was really fun. So when I was going to, to Maui, you know, he has McFleetwoods on Front Street there, which is a restaurant. And I called and they're like, uh, Mick wants you to, uh, you know, show up tonight at like seven o'clock if you're going to come for dinner because he's going to be there and they're going to they're going to play. You know, he's got his own little band thing there. So we go into McFleetwoods on Front Street in Maui and in Lahaina, right in, in, in the town there. Yep. And uh, they sit us next to his golden drum set which is kind of like the, uh, the royal place to sit. And they start bringing food. I go, wait, 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 wait we haven't ordered yet. Hold on, hold on. Th- this has got to be for somebody else. No, no, Mick said he's going to give you everything on the menu. He wants to taste everything. And I'm like, what? So there's like 10 of us, so my kids and everybody, right? They start bringing food, and they don't stop bringing food, and then they start bringing drinks. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, you can't drink, you're underage. And my kids are like, come on, Dad, let me just have a taste. I'm like, no, don't bring any more drinks. We don't drink, come on now. And it was hilarious. They brought so much food, and then so at the end, it was hilarious. He's such a nice guy, and, he, and he's a total car guy, by the way. At the end, I thought, i, I got to leave a big fat tip for all these waiters, because it was like, 
it was like coming to America, you know, here I am and they're just bringing food in. I felt like royalty. And uh, so they said, no, you can't. Mick doesn't want you to. He's giving us 25% as a tip for everything that we served you tonight. So on top of everything, that's the kind of guy Mick Fleetwood is. And I got to tell you, I hope to have that again. So I'm calling tonight and letting him know I'm coming. <laughs> no, I'm right. not going to. I'm not going to expect that again. But, yeah, I know. It's a typical journalist, right? But anyway. you know what? I mean, celebrities, we had to, a long time ago at Motor Trend, Jay Leno helped us out yeah. by loaning us a Viper. And we went out to lunch with them afterward. And they just started bringing food. And, oh, this is complimentary. And this is complimentary. He was very nice about it. But I just think that that is a thing. That happens all the time. Is that the richer you are, the less you pay for your meals? Well, it's, it's a crack up. Yeah, no, isn't that funny? It's like when you don't need it, that's when it comes. That's the other yeah. thing. Uh, yes. We should talk about Jay Leno because I don't know if you heard that he pinned a story for Haggerty.com. Did you hear about yes. the story? Yes, I did. Let's talk about it because God bless the man. He got burned. He could have got killed. He's doing better. And uh, I love that guy. I'll admit it. He's, he's worked with me for 25 years now. And uh, what a stud of a dude. We'll be right back. It's The Drive. Hold them like they do in Texas, please. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. I love it. Love Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America and around the nation, around the globe, and out into outer space. I mean, Martians even listen to us. Anyway, I think I've had too much coffee already. BJ Colleen joining us. You know, BJ, I talked about Jay Leno briefly. Everybody knows it was all over the news. He got burned. He was working on one of his cars, and it, like, flashed back, and it burned his hands, his arm, his neck, his, a little bit of his face. And it was scary for everybody that, that loves Jay Leno because he's just, he's funny, he's lighthearted. Everyone loves Jay Leno. He'll take time to take a picture with you. I've seen him do it a thousand times if I've seen it once. And you know, you know me, how I always, when I do a picture, I always point at everybody. Do you know where I got yes. that? I got it from him. Oh, because the first, I have him to thank. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's kind of my little stupid thing I always do. I'm point. You know why? The very first time I took a picture with him back in the 90s, he pointed at me. He like put his hand on his chest and his finger was pointing at me next to him. And when I saw that picture, I felt special. He makes us feel special. When he meets us, it's not really, you know, what you say to people, what comes out of your mouth. It's how you make people feel when they walk away from you. And he always makes people feel good when they walk away from him. They're like, that guy's so nice. 
So everybody, it was like having a, a relative almost die when he got burned. But he wrote a story here for Haggerty.com, and I suggest it's all over social media, but go to Haggerty.com. They don't sponsor the show or anything, and I work with all the guys. But go to Haggerty.com and look for the Jay Leno story, and BJ and I can talk about it briefly. Can I start? Do you mind if I start? Yeah, no, go ahead. So the story kind of goes like this. You know, when he got burned, he was working on his cars. Everybody that knows Jay knows about Big Dog Garage. He's really got a big dog garage. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a, an airplane hangar in Burbank, California, multiple hangars. Yeah. And he works on his cars with his mechanics and his friends that, you know, come and help occasionally. But he talks about how the mechanic is really an unsung hero and people don't give them enough credit. Matter of fact, they dog them out. They feel like they're getting ripped off and they never really appreciate them. And he says, you know, he goes, I was underneath one of my cars the other day working on my transmission and blood is running down my arm. I busted my knuckle a number of times trying to get that transmission out of there. And it was so hard. And he goes, and I started thinking about how little these guys, these mechanics actually charge to do something that is so hard. You know, it's like you do it once. You never want to do it again unless you're a glutton for punishment like most mechanics are. Um, but he talks about, he says, you know what, give mechanics a break because they really do kind of a, a thankless job that you don't want to do. And the problem is that people have never tried it. So they just assume that mechanics are trying to rip them off. Give it a try, people. Try and work on your own car sometimes. You will thankfully pay a mechanic and give them a tip. You know, because, it, it's like, you know, it's so hard and stuff. You know what else he said, too, is that, you know, when you go to a car show and you see a guy who has worked on his own car, maybe the paint's not perfect or the bodywork isn't perfect. He goes, he's like, cut him some slack, you know, because right. it is hard and they're learning. And, you know, it's a hobby and they're trying to make it work. So right, right. Don't be so critical when you look at these cars. Yeah, and no, I it's, love that. It, absolutely right. And I hats off to the guy because he is normally joking, right? But when he actually takes a moment to be serious – he always goes a little deeper than the average person will, and I salute him for that. Anyway, Jay Leno, a good man. We're glad that he's doing better. All right, let's before we get out of this segment, you got all kinds of good news, by the way. News. I mean, not good news, but just news, because is there such a thing as good news anymore? I don't know. Well, sometimes, but we have to talk about Carvana, and I think yeah. everybody knows Carvana. They're the ones that have the giant vending machine and you could buy your car and it comes down in the big elevator. Yeah. They are just suffering. Their shares have dropped 97% this year. 97%. Which is not good. Yeah. 97%. Yeah. And they're saying, well, you know, they were doing great because the market was for used cars was pretty high because you couldn't get new car inventory. But now that the market is coming down and, you know, prices are going up, that they're having a real tough time. So I would not be surprised if Carvana ceases to exist next year. Wow. What do you think? You know what? I think because the father and son that are both billionaires, by the way, because they didn't put all their eggs in one basket, I think they may have enough money to ride this out. They've had to lay off a tremendous percentage of their employees and the rest. And But I saw the one number was the father of the two, was worth $15 billion. 
and his worth now is like eight billion. So not quite half of his entire net worth. And the son was worth like eight or nine billion, and he's worth like four billion. So they still have billions to play with. Yes. I think they will save it because it was at one point a viable business that was kind of a neat um, kind of a neat thing for people that were uh, looking to buy a car. They made it a little bit fun. So we'll see. Time will tell. You know, Carvana. Just you guys uh, Google them and, and you can read the whole story. BJ Colleen is here talking about what's going on in the news. And there's a whole lot more of it when we come back. Stay with us. It is The Drive. Never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. Well, you know, our show is brought to you in part by Dodge, domestic, not domesticated. Uh, BJ Colleen joining us. I got to tell you real quick, BJ. Um, I happened to uh, get on Twitter. I haven't been on Twitter in, in years. And I thought, you know what? Do I even have a Twitter account? So I asked them, I go, do I have a Twitter account? And they're like, yeah, you got a Twitter account. So I looked and it was 2020 the last time I had been on it. Um, so I thought I'm going to post something because I just figured what the heck, you know, I mean, it's might as well do it. Just see what the heck's going on. So I posted something and, um, I got a couple of people like, Hey, where you been? You know, all this kind of stuff. And, and yeah. it's, it's kind of, fun. you know, it's, and there's tribes, you know what I mean? Some tribes are over on Twitter. Some tribes are over on this one and that one. And there's other tribes over here and there. And so you find a tribe that you haven't talked to in a while. And, when I was there, I saw Dodge had a post that said, what is the fastest you've ever driven on a racetrack? And I had a video of one time, the, just the speedometer from zero to 161 when the speedometer stopped. And I said, let's just say the video stopped at 161. <laughs> and I'm, I'm pretty sure that day I did about 167 or 8 before I, I lifted and it was in my Dodge Demon. And so I posted the speedometer and it's you can hear the engine and everything and all these funny comments come through. And But our, our show brought to you in part by Dodge. I enjoy having that relationship. And I know that part of the news you wanted to talk about was domestic cars or something like that. Yeah, I wanted to talk about, uh, they actually came up with the list of the vehicles that have the most domestic content. So the most American made vehicles and I actually own number one. It's a Lincoln Corsair. Really? 80, 86% of that vehicle has got American-made parts. And they take a lot of things into criteria, like where is the factory located and what are the headquarters and right. where are the pieces and parts from. And then the Lincoln Corsair, which is wow. the compact utility vehicle from Lincoln, came in at 86. It tied with the uh, plug-in hybrid version well, of the Lincoln Corsair. Yeah. No, you wait, want to wait, take a wait. guess? And, well, 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 well. Didn't you get a plug-in hybrid or no? 
No, 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 no. Okay, no. okay. I'm not electrician. I, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm not either, but if there's such a thing, the plug-in hybrid is, you know, gasoline and electric or internal combustion and electric. And to me, I think, you know, if we buy a new car again while I'm alive, it'll probably have to be a plug-in hybrid because my wife, like, we're two miles from the house, so she doesn't drive very far. Now, we were going to Costco the other day, and I went, wait a minute, you have a 2001 car. It's got 15,500 miles on it. Where you been going when I'm out of town? You know? Well, I camp hydrogen. So ah, I don't want to support electric vehicles. I believe hydrogen is the answer. So, so. your tribe is hydrogen, full of hot air is what yep. you're saying, huh? Yeah, that's what it is. And <laughs> the only byproduct out of my butt is water. Well, out, of your, so. out of your tailpipe, <laughs> you mean. I got out you. Of my, that's what I meant, out of my tailpipe. Yeah. It's the butt of a car. So, that's uh, right. So, so why don't you take a guess and see what else is on that list? Oh, my God. Two? Number two is probably a Toyota. Wrong. It's a Tesla Model 3, believe it oh, or not. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Number right. three is a Corvette. Oh. The Stingray is about 81%. Then the Colorado. Then we got some Jeeps, uh, the Cherokees. Hmm. And then uh, Dodge Durango is tied for six. And then, believe it or not, number seven is the Honda Passport. Honda wow. has the Passport, the Odyssey, the Ridgeline, and the Pilot because, you know, they have their factory in Marysville, Ohio that right. they've had for years. And so they're on the list. F-150, Ranger, Bronco. More Teslas and Jeep Grand Cherokees. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting that uh, Chevrolet only has a couple models on here, and all Dodge has in here are the Jeeps. So, yeah. Well, they do have a Durango, like well, I said. And, but- and Dodge is part of, what is that, Stellantis, right? Yes, yes. And so they own Stellantis owns even like Peugeot and some other you know companies. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm glad to hear about Jeep because I own a Jeep and I'm, I'm I, I love my Jeep. I don't know why it's bizarre. It's not the most it's comfortable a, thing in the family. world. It's a family, you know, the people that love their Jeeps and the Broncos yeah. and the Mustangs. You get in these families and you're in it because you have a shared interest with people. And you know everybody what? Loves that. Agreed. You know? But I think we Jeep owners need to, you guys, I'm talking to all you men and women out in the world that own Jeeps. We got to come up with a, you know, it's like everybody waves at each other when you drive a Jeep. So you wave. And then like the surfers in Hawaii, they put the little finger and the thumb out and it's like hang loose, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Some people do the peace sign. If you drive weird, you get the middle finger. You know, what is the sign when you're driving your Jeep, that's what I'm curious because here's the I think problem. there is one. I think they well, have one. Oh, well, then please tell me. Give us, you know, give me. I, I don't know what it is. I know the Bronco, they have little stuffed Bronco horses and things that they put on your Bronco. If they yeah. Little Bronco, well, so they do this, I, I think, with little Jeep ducks. Jeep has one, but I don't know what it is. Jeep, because I, I was yeah. in, in uh, Florida and this guy comes out and there was a little duck on his Jeep. But the reason why is because when I'm driving my GMC and I see a Jeep, I wave. And the person looks at me like, you're, what, what is, what, you know, what are you yeah, waving you at me you for, you cross. freak, right? You don't, you don't cross the streams. You don't cross because the Because I forget I'm not driving the Jeep, so I'm now <laughs> waving at everybody. They're like, what are you, a loon? You know, anyway. All right, we have another break coming. I'm going to give you one more segment because there's, there's a lot more news we've been just yakking. This is a good time of the year to just talk about automotive stuff like we have been. So yeah. give me about 30 seconds. Anything else on uh, in 30 seconds? Uh, uh, no. no, we got to talk about parking spaces and what they cost <laughs> in New York. That's going to take longer than 30 seconds. Okay. So. All right. Uh, BJ Colleen is here. I'm Alan Taylor. This is The Drive. All across America, we're just pushing on 100 radio stations, talking about cars, having fun. You know what? If you want to drive an electric car, that's just fine with me. 
I, if, yeah, if I want to drive a big old diesel truck, I hope that's fine with you because I got a stock trailer and lots of cows. Um, we're all going to drive what we want to drive. The market will find its own self. That's what I'm about. This is The Drive. We'll be right back. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Thanks, guy with a big voice. BJ Colleen is here. <laughs> BJ Colleen is here. And uh, our show brought to you in part by Subaru. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. And they've been wonderful sponsors, great people to work with. Um, Tom Dahl, the president of Subaru, just the nicest guy. There's a company I wish I would have bought stock in years ago. What a great company that is. Um, and they make good cars. Uh, yeah. You know, I remember when Hyundai came to town and then Kia. I remember I've told the story before. I thought, those cars aren't going to last. So I, I started a wrecking yard and we started specializing in Hyundais. And they weren't good cars or anything. But, you know, there wasn't enough call for it. So I had to add, I added Subaru and Honda. So I started specializing in these Asian car companies. And uh, the wrecking yard took off because I used to own a wrecking yard, everybody, if you didn't know. A couple of them, and not several, but uh, I had two at one time. And uh, American cars and foreign cars. But it's funny because you look at Hyundai today, it's insane how Hyundai and Kia, they're like top of the heap right now. You know, they're, yeah. they're really doing well. So uh, congratulations for, you know, pulling it out and actually making good cars and giving a good warranty on them. These are such important things. Anyway, I wish I'd have bought stock. Actually, before you talking about buying stock, we just heard that VinFast, which is the Vietnamese-based electric vehicle maker, has filed for an IPO, you know, initial public offering to sell shares on the NASDAQ, NASDAQ stock symbol. So I don't right. know what they're going to be offering, but if you want to get in on the ground floor of an electric company, and again, don't take my recommendation. You just do this on your own. I haven't driven the VinFast cars. We do know a couple of people that work there, so hopefully we'll be able to get in one fairly soon. Yeah. But uh, if you want to so, get in the ground floor like Kia and Hyundai, this is a place to go. Yeah, if it was anything but electric, I may consider that because I am not – I don't think the electric car industry is going to be as wild of a, you know, uh, a ride. Maybe it is going to be a wild ride for some because we see what's going on with Fisker, right? 
They're on the yes. on the verge of bankruptcy. Who else is it with the, the Carvana? So things are really uh, there's seismic changes going on. My my comment is that I don't think the solution, and I know you agree with this, is yeah. electric cars. I don't think it's the solution. It could be a combination. But as I said a little bit earlier, that I think that you know you got to let you have to offer an offering out there and let the the audience decide. The problem is they're trying to mandate all this garbage on us. And people will move to the states where they aren't, you know, having electric cars shoved down their throat. And because, you know, it's like the lifestyle that you that you live. For me, I become a rancher through COVID and all that garbage. I became a rancher. Who knew? Alan the rancher. I got 40 cows. I got alpaca. I got llamas. I got pigs. I got eight horses. I got, I got all these animals. Now, what the heck happened? Well, I sold my expensive cars thinking to myself, you know what? I don't know what the market's going to do, but I do know I like steak. So you know. <laughs> yeah, people got to eat. No That's right. They got to eat no matter what. And I'm actually enjoying it because I live in Oregon. What the heck, right? Yeah, you can do it. Well, you know, it's interesting because I was in New York last week doing training, my Genesis training on the new electric vehicles. They have the electrified G80 sedan, which is just a marvelous vehicle. It's a beautiful machine. And then they electrified the GV70. So you've got, you know, they're getting into electric vehicles and they're working off of the Hyundai platforms, which is good because, you know, Genesis is the up level. Yeah segment of Hyundai. But the bottom line is, you know, you ask these people and you look around, I said, how many of you live in a house? Nobody raised their hands. They all live in apartments. There's oh my no God. place yeah, to York. charge these electric vehicles. It's just crazy. You know, and it's like, and you think about it and, you know, in California, electric vehicles make a ton of sense. And in Oregon, you know, the West Coast and middle America, sure. In New York, in Chicago, when you live downtown, it makes absolutely no sense to have an electric vehicle. It well, makes no sense to have a vehicle in New York, let's be honest. Right, but, right. I had a friend. He didn't get his driver's license. You ready for this? Till he was 38 years old. Doesn't surprise me. Because, surprise in, you know, me. if you live in the city, you jump in a cab or, you you know, or you nowadays you Uber or you walk, take a train. Yeah. There's a million Subway. ways you could, you could yeah. take a, what do they go, a little cart, one of those little things, you you know, like a pedal thing, but it's electric, you know. But the parking is a whole other story in New York. I have a friend, he said, this was, oh my gosh, 10 years ago. He says, yeah, my parking spot in my building is 800 a month. Oh, that's a deal because now they're starting to do automated parking and there's one building and it's a building down in the Chelsea area where, and I've walked by it a million times off the High Line. They're charging $450,000 for an automated <laughs> space. Some are going 600000 There's one building that was asking 750000 for a plain concrete parking spot oh, in New York. That is that's, so re- But that's that's on a $100 million apartment uh, or something. You'd be surprised what it's on. Oh, my so gosh. It's, it's, it could be a $2 million apartment, and they're asking that. because. But now this automated parking space is a little bit different. Because you pull in itself, you don't have a valet guy who can wreck it. It parks it automatically. It spins it around. So when you pull out, oh, you're ready gotcha, to go. gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, but it's yeah. still, it's like people are paying that for houses. Yeah, it's it's, just, it's high New finance. York is another world. You know, it's funny. Yeah, I was cool. with a friend of mine, and I showed him a picture of a nice little house, and it was four hundred fifty-eight thousand. I said, "Look what you can get here." Because I live in Oregon, everybody. I I do my radio show from Mars. It doesn't matter, but I live in Oregon. <laughs> And my friend lives in San Diego, and I go, oh, wait a minute. Um, hold on, let me move my finger. Uh, this is in your town. It's in San Diego. It's the same house, and there was an, a one in front of the 458. It was a million yes. 400. I said, you know what? Same house, different city. Now, that's, that's how it is. Um, BJ, this song is called You're Beautiful. I saw an 
And I, you are beautiful to me. I love you. Appreciate you. I love all, you all, all year long, you you uh, help us on the show here, and it's uh, it's always fun to have you. So thank you. Thank you. I love being here. Yep. Well, everybody, it's our last nothing. I'm coming right back. I'll be right back. Stay with us. It is the drive. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. It's true. I saw your face. Stay tuned. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor on the road ahead. Discover the 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness, the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family. Featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability. Plus, a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com wilderness. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. George Kennedy joining us now. George Kennedy III. He's the co-founder of Cartender. He is a freelance automotive journalist, so he works for Car Gurus, Boston Globe, U.S. News and World Report, and he's a contributor here at The Drive with me, Alan Taylor. George Kennedy, I'm, I just saw something come across my uh, phone while I was in the commercial break. It says, country facing energy crisis could reportedly ban electric car use. Holy crap, holy. That's not good. Uh, yeah, it requires a little bit of context. The country is Switzerland. Oh. Not, not, not here, it's <laughs> Switzerland. And, and, and the, re- uh. the reason is that it imports a lot of its energy. So, like, during the summer, Switzerland makes about 60% of its own energy via hydropower. Okay, so water, waterfalls. In the winter, that freezes up. And so that goes way down. So it imports a lot of energy. Europe is going through like a huge energy crisis. So small country, very unique scenario. We're a big country, lots of power sources, big grids. No one's banning electric car use here. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is the other guys that are on the show that are going to be on in the next hour, one is in Georgia. The other one is in California. And he's, he's doing some test drives. Everybody's talking about electric cars. We have to. We have to because everybody's gotten something new coming out right now. I think Carl Carl Brower is going to be, uh, I think he's test driving uh, like a couple of electric cars. Maybe one's a hybrid. So everybody has to keep talking about it. I heard, luckily, that I don't have to hear about an electric car from you. Is that true? Yeah, for the, for the first time in a while, we get to talk about a good, a good old fuel-burning car, gas-burning car, the, the Chevy Corvette Thank God. convertible. 70th anniversary edition on winter tires. <laughs> oh, well, you hail from the Boston area. And, right. of course, you're, you're getting some weather there, I, I imagine, right about now. And what people don't realize, if you've never driven a Corvette in even rain, or especially in, you know, snow and ice, you got to drive it differently, a whole lot differently. Or, or, matter of fact, any of these high-performance cars, although because of the um, ABS systems and the 
the smart systems on board, they really won't let the tires spin out the way they used to. So, but I, I'd be well, interesting to hear what you say with the uh, winter tires on this car. I think what's important to remember is that for all of the ABS and electronic control systems, there are four patches of rubber where the, the car touches the road. And even in warmer weather, using summer tires, you know, high performance tires, those tires need to be warmed up, warmed up. Yeah. Your average crossover or sedan tires have all season multi-use, a wide operating range. They're not meant for high performance, but what you get in exchange is a wider operating range. So, you, right. know, you can just get in your car and go off and drive. Right. And a high performance car, you need to warm those tires up. So go to the winter and the performance range, you are operating outside of its performance range. So if you want to drive in the winter in a performance car, a rear wheel drive, mid-engine high performance car, you're going to want winter tires or at least very competent all-season tires as opposed to summer-only performance tires. You know what's funny is when I had my Demon a few years back, my Dodge Demon, they didn't even want you. You had to sign something saying you will not drive in the rain with this car because (laughs) it's a true story. You won't drive in the rain because the tires were really kind of designed to be on a drag strip. You know, it was a trackable car. The lawyers chiming in. I remember going to a a bar in Boston where they had a jalapeno infused tequila for their margaritas, and they made you (laughs) sign a waiver for before beforehand. So I don't know how much is the lawyers, how much is a little bit of safety theater. Who knows? Right, right. right. Well, you know what's funny though? I drove it to uh, I don't know an event in Las Vegas, which was about a thousand miles when it was really, really new. And the president of Dodge, he's relatively a friend of mine. His name's Tim Kaniscus. I get a phone call from him because I posted something that I was driving the car in the rain. He calls me on my cell phone and says, get that car off the road. You signed that you wouldn't. I said, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're not actually going to enforce it. He said, you're not supposed to be. Those tires are. He was serious. He said, they're not meant to be in the rain. They'll just slide. Well, Al, Alan, you know. you're, you're a very influential individual. People's <laughs> eyes are on you. He doesn't want you contributing to the delinquency of others. You know what? I got to tell you before you go on. He says to me, if you don't get that car off the road, I'm going to void the warranty. This is what he says to me. I said, I bought an extended warranty. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he laughed. He goes, dude, he goes, seriously. And so I said, I know. I, I just got to get to my hotel. How am I supposed to know? Las Vegas is always beautiful, isn't it? Nope. Just like everything. <laughs> anyway, okay. So back to this new 70th anniversary edition Corvette on winter tires. You're a big guy. I always ask you. You're like 6'3 or something. Do you fit in that car? Would the seat go back far enough? I'm just curious about that. So... Yes, I do, and I think that's always been a great part about the Corvette. There are a lot of, you know, high-end cars that, you know, more American-sized individuals, shall we say, might yeah. have a hard time fitting into. I would fit into that category. And, yeah, it's a little snug. I would say the, the Corvette, you know, the older generations, the front-engine ones, I think are, are a little bit more spacious inside. This is, I think it's targeted at a younger demographic. They're trying to target a younger audience. They're not trying to do the Harley thing and ride one demographic off into the sunset. Right. They know that their bread is buttered with the future. Yeah. So I fit into it. It, was, it wasn't so much a, a width issue. It was, it was a height issue because with the convertible uh-huh. top, you know, I'm driving around in, no, in the November cold, and I'm like, <laughs> ah, I put the, the convertible top down because it gave me plenty of room to, to stretch out. If I put the top up, I have to make some tough decisions about where I want to position the seat for 
arm position for the steering wheel, right. leg position without without bonking my head, you know, when the top goes up, etc. Well, it rubs your bald spot on the top of your head too. I know that's got to be irritating. Hey, that's uh, <laughs> my my hair is lush, and <laughs> okay, full, okay? okay, and I don't want to I want I don't want anything impinging upon that. <laughs> I'm right? just picturing I'm just picturing that. I can't remember what you look like, but anyway. <laughs> I want to know now how you were able to drive that thing around in the cold and, um, you know, how did you like it? So I, you know, knowing my history, going back to looking back at the Corvette, I've always been intrigued by Zora Arcus Duntov, one of the early engineers of the Corvette, and he wanted the Corvette to be a mid-engine car from, like, the earliest years. And it was a cost thing, and they knew if, they could, if, they were, if it was selling well, then why change a good thing? They finally did it, and I'm so glad they did because it went from a, okay, here's a car that's a a hearty step up from a Camaro to this is a flat-out American supercar. All right, hold tight, hold tight. American supercar. Since I've been talking about so many electric cars, I want more of internal (laughs) combustion from George Kennedy III after this. Stay with us. The new Corvette. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. And I'm talking to a guy about an internal combustion engine car. It's amazing. I know. That's all we've been talking about is electric lately. And I'm I'm just getting tired of it, to be honest with you. Listen, I like, I like that it's available, but I don't want it to be the only thing. Uh, George Kennedy III talking about the 2023 Chevrolet Corvette 70th Anniversary Edition. He's rolling around. Uh, in the uh, the East Coast area near Boston on winter tires. So he said, the last thing he said, cliffhanger was, it's an American supercar. Even in the winter, even in Boston, even with actually uh, winter tires are a little softer, a little stickier. So you put winter tires on a car when it's not winter, and uh, I think it actually holds the road a little better. I don't, you know, it's not supposed to really say yeah, that. I mean, they wear out quicker. What's interesting about the American part in American supercars is that it has to be livable, right? Yeah, so right. I think, you know, you look back to the original Acura NSX. I think that put the supercar world on blast by showing you could make a supercar that was actually daily drivable. And that's what the Corvette achieves. I mean, you can read anywhere about the high performance, but I think what's so interesting is that it's a livable car. It has the front trunk or the front. It's got another trunk space behind the engine where 
you could store at least a golf bag, if not a golf bag and a half, definitely multiple weekend bags. I mean, this isn't one of those, okay, you got to pick one bag and that's it. You could put in several bags. Yeah. Um, it had heated and cooled seats, heated steering wheel, the, you know, the heated seats, I love heated that. steering wheel. Yeah. Totally made it awesome to drive around with the top down in, you know, 38, 39 degree weather. Yeah, no, it makes a difference. We were having a great time. Yeah. So at the end of the day, do people say to you, is that a Corvette? Because such a dramatic change went from front engine to mid engine. So now the engine is behind you. If you, you can picture that it looks, I think more like a Lamborghini or, or a a McLaren of which, you know, both of those uh, in the next hour, we're going to be talking about these new cars. It has that space age design, that wedge. Do people actually know it's a Corvette or did you find that people say, wow, that's the new Corvette. It's already, you know, it's a couple of years old at this point. I would say it's been around a couple of years. I think so much has been made about the mid engine placement that people do recognize right. that it's a Corvette. I've, you know, in the past I've driven a McLaren GT a few years ago and I was filling it up and somebody in Boston was like, Oh dude, that's a nice Corvette you got there. So you know, it's at that point that might have been a weird <laughs> distinction, but now it's you know the car's recognizable. I think no matter what the engine is, it's got a very similar face to its predecessor, the yeah. Seven. So well, it's very it, rec- recognizable, and it says Corvette on it and all the rest. I get that, but I think when people see it going down the road, they go, "Oh, look at that Lamborghini and whatever Ferrari." It's very, it's very dramatic. Yeah, it looks like halfway between a Lamborghini and a Ferrari. All right, let um, me ask you now. Hold still. Give me one minute on what you loved about it, and thirty seconds on what you hated about it, because we're going to be out of time for this hour. But go ahead. <laughs> so. What I didn't love about it, I'll start with that. Is just you know, if you put some bags in the rear trunk, they did tend to get hot. So oh. make some decisions. No chocolate in the back trunk. I got it. It'll yeah. melt. Yeah. What I loved about it, it had the rear view camera mirror. So there was mm. a little camera on the roof facing backwards. And if you think about the engine being behind you now and how high the rear right. deck lid is, yeah. you really can't see if there's another low car behind you. But with that high place camera, now when you press a button on the rear view mirror, it presents that image out back. Then coming back to the American supercar thing, the interior of that, though it looks space age, it's got all the same infotainment features as a Tahoe or a Malibu, where you've got this easy-to-use touchscreen right in the middle of the center console. Go over to a Ferrari or some other supercar, and you're messing around with screens built inside the instrument panel, stuff like that. So it made using a supercar, but operating it like a daily driver, and combining those two is what will lower a barrier to entry for somebody to use it. All right, barrier of entry. Was it easy to get in and out of? <laughs> uh, definitely needed the door to be wide open for me to get uh, yeah. all the way in and out. There was some contorting. But one of the best features that they offered on this car is an option, the front lifting axle. And that is so you can get some increased ground clearance if you're going in or out of steep driveway, a steep garage. That is a straight-up Lamborghini-type feature there, and that's going to prevent you from scraping that front lip, that aerodynamic front splitter, the next time you go to leave a garage. Well, the 2023 Chevrolet Corvette Convertible, 70th Anniversary Edition. Um, are you going to have a story in one of your outlets? Yeah, this is going in CarGurus, so check that out. Okay, CarGurus.com. George Kennedy the third, lucky guy. Uh, in the next hour, we're going to have Brian Moody from Auto Trader and Carl Brower. He's next. He is from iccars.com. He's got a lot of great information, too. Thank you, George.
Pleasure's always. All right. Be careful out there. We'll take a break and got another hour to go right here on The Drive. Stay with us. Never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real-world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, you know the holidays are just around the corner. Christmas, Hanukkah, Festivus for the rest of us, all that kind of stuff. But today we are going to uh, venture into Santa's workshop. So we're going into a high noise environment. And I'm going to bring up one of the elves right now. You'll hear noise in the background. It's not that bad. They must have stopped beating on things. But you'll hear, you know cars driving by and stuff because these are elves so one of the elves name is carl brower and he's a busy little elf <laughs> hi carl <laughs> where where are you man what is all that background noise so you know yeah yeah i'm on the 405 i'm 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 in i'm in santa's sleigh actually on the 405 oh my gosh you know, all sorts of semi trucks and big flatbeds all around me uh, so yeah it's a busy it's a busy holiday okay so you have got you've got a lot to talk about today but you're literally on the job because you're test driving a vehicle you're coming from test driving a vehicle in a vehicle you're test driving carl everybody is automotive industry analyst he's you know, you see his writings on Forbes. He's a contributor there. He's on the uh, North American Car and Truck of the Year. It's called Knack Toy. He's a juror and a board member. He is also, I think, a juror for the World Car of the Year. Is that right? And then executive analyst for iccars.com. What doesn't he do? So you're driving what right now, just to, to set the, the stage? I am driving a Ford F-150 Lightning. Oh, the electric, electric truck. Baby. Yes. Okay. Well, listen, I have said because it is a Ford and there's nothing wrong with all the other electric car companies, but I think Ford did a great job on this Lightning truck, which is an F-150, all electric, not a hybrid, all electric. And if I was going to buy an electric truck, I'd buy one from Ford. And maybe Chevrolet, too. I mean, these big car companies, I got to have somebody who's going to stand behind this stuff. Because too much of what I'm seeing with, you know, like uh, Henrik Fisker, you and I know him personally. Fisker is having some financial yep. problems. The other car companies that are yep. electric, they're having financial problems. I don't want to buy a car and then all of a sudden they go bankrupt and I'm screwed. So that's why I, I get behind, right. you know, the ones that I, I know and trust. Now, that said... I know you're going to tell me something about just how many Teslas are being sold. 
And then, of course, Elon Musk has now bought Twitter, right? And so the, the, the questions are, well, well, if Twitter goes down, is that going to take Tesla down? But how many cars, like in, let's just say, 2022 total has Tesla sold? Because I heard it's a pretty big number. Yeah, well, they sold like a couple million cars in 2022. And, and more impressive was that they sold over 800,000 Model Ys globally. Alan. Wow. So the Model Y model. is, Remember, make, it, tell me which one that is. That's the smaller SUV. So there's basically uh, a small sedan Model 3 and a small SUV Model Y. And then there's the bigger sedan Model S, the longest one that they've been making. And there's the bigger SUV, the Model X. So the Model Y is right in the sweet spot of the, of the market right now. Everyone loves SUVs and especially kind of medium, mid-sized to compact is the size range that most people buy them in. So that Model Y is, is right in the sweet spot of where people are buying, but they sold 800,000 of them wow. in 2022. Wow. And that's just a single model. Alan, that makes it one of the top four selling cars, vehicle nameplates, in the planet, on the planet. You know, like the Ford so... F-150, like I'm driving right now, right. that's always been like the number one thing. But, of course, that's a truck. There's a million uses for trucks. There's fleet buyers and all that. So you expect trucks to sell well. But oh. that one Model Y electric car, 800000 I got to tell you, the noises we're hearing in the background makes it sound like you are on the hollow deck of the, the, the Enterprise. Uh, all kinds of strange noises. So uh, That was a motorcycle, by the way. And see, <laughs> see right there, a lot of people see, see, Carl, if everyone on the 405 was in an F-150 Lightning or similar EV, this would be a, a, a quiet, placid interview background. <laughs> now, right, <laughs> right. Hold tight, Carl. He's on the 405 in Los Angeles driving a Lightning electric F-150 truck. And uh, he's got a whole bunch of other interesting vehicles to talk about. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to have our mutual friend Brian Moody on and uh, continue this quest to uh, find out what's going on in our crazy auto industry. It's it's a uh, an upheaval. Electric everything. We'll be right back. As we sit so shallow, we find, and when feeling Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. All right, you're going to hear a lot of strange noises in the background because Carl Brower from iccars.com uh, is actually test driving a car as we're speaking. Um, he's been doing a lot of that lately. Not me so much. I've been test driving cows, not cars. So I, I sent my friends at Car and Driver, Carl, I sent them the new logo of Cow and Driver because I, I bought a <laughs> bunch of cows and that's all I've been, that's all I've had time to do. And 
it's kind of fun. I, I have all you folks out there that are, you know, uh, contributors to this show that are helping, but it's been kind of hard to get new cars lately from the auto manufacturers because they just didn't have them to put into the pool for the test drive stuff. I'm okay with that, actually. I've been test driving cars for 30 years. It's nice to have a little break. You are on a test drive of this Ford F-150 Lightning all-electric truck. What were you going to – you went somewhere to test drive something. What was that? Yeah, well, I'm in this car, and I've only got it for a couple of days, and I'm driving around L.A. I just had a very interesting lunch. But before that, Sunday through Tuesday, a couple of days earlier this week, I went to Las Vegas and back in a Kia EV6, ah. which is another all-electric car. That's a kind of station wagony looking car built on the same platform as the Ioniq 5, because Hyundai Ioniq and Kia EV6 are sister brands and sister models using the same platform. Right. That was my first long-distance drive in a pure electric vehicle, about 280 miles each direction from Orange County to Las Vegas and back. And I had to stop, of course, and charge in the meantime. And that was not nearly as painful as I thought it would be, Alan. I'm going to tell you right now, between how capable that EV6 was at, like, semi-autonomous driving, you know, keeping its own lane and all, and how rarely I had to honestly input steering once I got on a straightaway with it, right? and how easy it was to charge it when I needed to charge it, I came off of three days of traveling in that car a bigger fan of EVs than I was the, when I left on that trip. I all right. Tell you, I, have to, I have to end the call. I have to end the call now. I'm sorry. You, <laughs> you have got some disease of the I brain. Know. I don't know what's happening to you, Carl. He's driving an electric car, telling me that he's starting to like them. Oh, gosh. Well, and the worst no, part about I it. I can't believe it, Alan. Well, it, it all started, Carl, when you bought, when you, well, leased that Fiat 500, electric Fiat 500, for $49 a month. Yep. The, uh, whatever it is, the cheap gene in you, really, it came alive. And, and I do believe it's taking, it's overtaking your brain. Okay, so this no, this trip, though, you went out there. And I, I'm more interested in, in what you went out there to drive in that electric car. What did you go out there to drive? So uh, out there in Vegas, I drove the McLaren Artura, A-R-T-U-R-A. It's the first series hybrid, meaning they're going to create a bunch of them, wow. not just like a very small number for select people, which was a McLaren P1 from like 10 years ago. That was a hybrid supercar, too. But this is going to be like a regular mainstream model for them that's going to have an electric motor and a battery pack that helps out with a V6 twin turbocharged engine. Wow. And Alan, I got to tell you, these hybrid cars are usually quite heavy because you've got two things going on, battery packs, motors, plus an internal combustion engine and a gas tank. This car weighs 3,300 pounds. Wow. Hybrid supercar, 3,300 pounds, and it drives fabulously. So let me, let, me, got, let me just explain. It's fabulous. When you guys hear 3,300 pounds for a supercar, a McLaren, that's the only thing they make, my Ford Mustang convertible, I had a GT500, 4,000 pounds. So that's 700 yeah. pounds less than my GT500. And I'll guarantee with a V6 turbo, knowing the, the V6 turbos are putting out today, and then add the electric boost, you might say, to that, that thing must have been a rocket. Right. It is. It's like a three-second zero to 60. Wow. But it'll go 11 miles on a pure electric charge if you, if you want to plug it in and charge it up. But you also never can plug it in. If you don't want to ever plug it in, it'll charge by just driving the car. Nice, nice. You never want to go near an outlet. And the motor, Alan, is like the size of a disc brake. What? The electric motor. What? Yeah, it looks like a disc brake. And it makes 66 horsepower and 193 pound-feet of torque. 
just the motor. Oh my God! He's talking about the electric motor, not to be mistaken with the engine, internal combustion engine. Wow! Right. Yeah. So as we continue. Yeah, that's the thing. And the Consumer Electronics Show is coming up in January. And I absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt that they're going to show us even more future space-age technology that will make its way into cars. Uh, how much was this uh, yep. McLaren Artura as we go into break here? It, it starts at 233 oh. uh, You can nicely, nicely equip one for under $300. i am sure it's 250 to 300 oh but really God. a fabulous car. I'm very excited. I'm very excited about this. Well, you know what's interesting about that is that eventually it's kind of like race on Sunday, sell on Monday. All of that technology he's talking about will continue to trickle down into the everyday cars. That's the good news about it, because yeah. who can afford that car? Only Carl Brower. At least a free test drive of it. We'll take a break. Carl's with iccars.com. When we come back, there's more to talk about with all this stuff, because he also drove a Lamborghini. But he's got a uh, latest study talking about the uh, greatest potential long lifespan of cars. It's a very interesting study. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor. Discover the 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness, the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family. Featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability. Plus, a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com slash wilderness. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. And our show brought to you in part by Subaru. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Carl Brower, the most prolific car tester I know. He does interviews on television and radio from his car while he's going from one test drive to the next. Um, Carl is on the North American Car Truck uh, and SUV of the Year. He's a juror and a board member. He is executive analyst for iccars.com. In a moment, we're going to get to their test, the latest study, cars with the greatest potential lifespan, listing cars that go between 230 and 296,000 miles and are still going. Before you go to that, though, because studies to me aren't near as fun as cars like new Lamborghinis. Lamborghini Technica, you just drove that as well. Give us two minutes on that. Yeah, so that car is kind of the antithesis of that Artura that we were just talking about. The McLaren, Instead yeah. Instead of being a, uh, yeah, the McLaren Artura V6 uh, twin turbo with hybrid boost, the uh, Huracan Technica is old school. It's naturally aspirated V10. So it's all that Ooh, whole, you know, no replacement for displacement philosophy. Right. And, uh, Another fabulous car makes 631 horsepower, and i got to tell you, Alan, that car, they've been making it for almost 10 years, which is really an eternity in the supercar world. You know that. They're very competitive segments. Yeah. Usually you don't see a, a supercar get made for more than three to five years, six years, maybe max. 
but this thing, they just keep improving it, they keep tweaking it, and it stays competitive and stays really fun to drive. And I like the Technica because there's three versions of the Huracan now. There's the Evolution, which is kind of the base, quote-unquote base model, if you call any Lamborghini that. Right. Then there's the STO, which is the most outrageous, highest horsepower, no sound deadening, track-oriented one. Right. So this Technica lands right in between them. So it's got the same power and the same direct steering and the same carbon ceramic brakes as the STO track car, but it's got sound deadening and it's got a front trunk or frunk as we call it for storing things like the Evolution does. So you can basically drive it every day, but it's still going to be extremely track capable if you decide to go to the track with it also. How much money is that sucker? What's the price? Very similar. I think they're totally competitors. Price oh. very similar to the Artura. Again, I think it starts around two thirty-five. Wow. And you know, I think mine was like three twenty. It was about a hundred thousand in additional uh, options. Okay. Okay. But, but I have a question. Car. Question because I want to get to this study that uh, iccars.com did. Which one did you like better? Since you just drove them both, was there one that you kind of thought, "Ooh, I like that." Whatever it is about it, what was it? Gosh, you know, that is an extremely good question, Alan, and it's, I hadn't thought of it that way. I mean, I can make such a good argument for either one of them. Yeah. Uh, like I you said, like know. like you said, there's no replacement for displacement, brother. I get that. That's the old Carl talking. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the engine noises that that Huracan makes with that V10 are just right. fabulous. It'll, you, know, you put it in... in Sport or track mode, and you you come off the throttle, and the exhaust system's popping and making all those noises and all. Love that. The, the steering feedback and the technology and the feeling of boost with the torque from the motor in the McLaren, fabulous. So boy, that's uh, it'd be very interesting to drive. Well, back you know That'd what? Be a, it, a great test. It was a mean question because you and I hadn't talked about it, and I put you on the spot. I apologize, but not. <laughs> All right, we got about three minutes for this uh, latest study from iccars.com. Cars with the greatest potential lifespan, long lifespan, cars that range from 230,000 to 296,000 miles and still going. You've got two minutes to try and get that in, and we'll send people to go see it if they're interested. Sure. So what we decided to look at was, Cars that are on the market where you can see their odometer, every time they change hands, they get traded in, they get sold. So we can look at all that data through our transaction data that we've got across the country. And we decided to just start looking at models, which makes and models have the highest mileage on them. And which makes had at least 1%. You can always find the weird car. I mean, I've got a freaking you know, BMW convertible with 210,000 miles on it, which right. is not typical for BMW. But sure. which models had at least 1% of their cars that had, that had, you know... Oh, radar detector high high. going off. Radar detector. Slow down, Carl. Go ahead. <laughs> actually, actually, that was the collision warning because we got the uh, typical 405 stopping. Uh, <laughs> stopping. I stopped that time. Yeah, so, did the, so did the car behind me. <laughs> yeah, thank so God. So the car behind me, so I'm happy. Well, that have been funny on live radio, but go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> See, this really is the drive. I know. Uh, right. Anyways, <laughs> um... Yeah, so we looked at the cars, the top 1% cars mileage. Now, a lot of people say, well, 1%, you know, that's like a tiny percentage of cars. It's like, yeah, but these also aren't cars that are dying at these miles. These cars are still going strong. They're being transacted. They're buying, being bought and sold. So when we looked at the cars that are still being bought and sold and at least, and at least a single percentage point or more has these miles, we looked it up. You have Toyota Sequoias that are getting to 296,000 miles. Oh, my gosh. Land Cruisers that are 295,000 miles. And we had the top 20, and 10 of the top 20 were Toyotas. Wow. Um, 
Most of them are three-row SUVs, not surprisingly, because they're so functional on so many things. They're flexible and can do everything, so people just drive the heck out of them. Right. He also had a lot of pickup trucks, red, red, ridge lines, and Tundras, and Tacoma. Okay, here's what we got to do. The, the whole list is available at iccars.com. It's really easy. You want to see which cars are making it and still going? It's a great study done by iccars.com. Carl Brower, I'm playing uh, yep. Thunderstruck because uh, it just seems apropos for you driving down the 405 in a lightning truck, talking about all this stuff. Coming up next, we're going to talk with uh, Brian Moody. Carl, be safe out there. It's a good thing those cars have all those safety features on them. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> You're an animal. Thank you, Alan. Good talking to you. Take care. All right, you too. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. You know, it occurs to me that um, on Wednesday of this week, December 7th, the day that will go down in infamy. I don't know if I said that right, but uh, Pearl Harbor Day. Just want to make sure I do a shout out to all those that have... uh, the veterans and, and those that are still in our military that have uh, dedicated their lives to making our world a better place. Uh, this is The Drive. I'm Alan Taylor. Brian Moody joining us now. And, yes, sir. Uh, it's wild to think about that, isn't it? God, Lord. And Pearl. thank you for your service to all those people that have done that because we couldn't have what we have without the sacrifice that those folks have made. That's exactly right. Uh, so, Brian Moody, everybody's executive editor of autotrader.com, and he's got a lot of stuff to talk about. He wants to tell me a little bit about me and you both, a little bit about the GM program to create some charging stations, but also for those who are in the need of a new vehicle and maybe looking for the cheapest lease deals, autotrader.com has all that. Brian's bringing it today and more. What is the story on this well, General Motors thing, first of all? Yeah, for those of you keeping score at home, uh, you know, the electric cars are starting to ramp up. Whether or not there's going to be a demand for all of these electric cars, I don't know. Right. But here's a good way to think about it. I think Ford has it right. They just introduced a new Mustang, right, at the Los Angeles Auto Show. That's a Mustang GT. 
and it's going to be V8 powered. And then they have a base Mustang and then they have an electric Mustang. Mm. So Ford's idea, they also showed a new Super Duty F-Series pickup, which is diesel powered. If you choose, you know, that's an option that you want. So there's basically saying you want a gas powered Mustang. We got that. You want an electric Mustang. We got that. You want a gas powered pickup. We got that. You want an electric pickup. We got that, too. I think that's smart. Yeah. I agree. I said that. Just so you know, I literally was talking to BJ in hour one, and I said, the market will decide. And the problem is if they try to shove electric cars down our throats, like for me, I have a 40-foot gigantic flatbed trailer that when I go to get hay, it weighs, you know, 20, I don't know, what does it weigh? Let me think about this. 24,000 pounds or something was the last time. So- I can't pull that with an electric pickup truck. I mean, I and, I and here's the deal. I also go 80 miles each way to get my hay. I have a diesel one-ton dually. And, you know, but I also, I wouldn't mind driving that Lightning, which is an electric truck for my everyday run-around town truck, because I live two yeah. miles from my studio here. So I don't need all the pulling power. But if I need to, there's a little bit of it there. I can still look my boat on. The, take the market it down to, you should know. always decide. Exactly. Because what happens is when you start monkeying around with that, then people get things that you paid them to get that doesn't suit their needs and then they're unhappy. Right. So like here's just a, here's as a comparison, you know, everyone talks about, you know, different electric cars. General Motors has, you know, their electric car game is, is pretty serious. They will have two Cadillac electric cars in the near future. They right now have the GMC Hummer. They also have a GMC Sierra EV, a Silverado EV, a Blazer EV, and the Chevrolet Equinox EV, in addition to the Chevrolet Bolt, which has two different versions, like a smaller hatchback and then the larger EUV, which is an electric utility vehicle. So they have quite a few electric cars. And as you and I both know, what's one of the biggest barriers for this is charging the car up. Where do I charge the car? Right. And it's fair. And here's the thing. Even if you think of it this way, like every gas station cannot be replaced by an electric vehicle charging station because there's going to be overlap. As we see with Ford strategy, I think a lot of other automakers are going to say that we're going to keep gas until consumers don't want it anymore. And they need to charge those up. But here's why it won't just work to say, yeah, we'll just replace the gas stations with electric vehicle charging stations. That won't work. We'll probably need double the amount of charging stations as gas stations because it takes from 20 minutes, anywhere from 20 minutes to more than an hour to charge up an electric vehicle. Whereas with a gas-powered car, you fill it up, what, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes at the most at for the a most, huge truck. Yeah, yeah, you know? Exactly. Five minutes is right. probably more like it, yeah. So we need double or more the number of charging stations, and GM kind of has a solution for that. So they have this new thing called the Dealer Community Charging Program, yeah. and their goal is to install as many as 40,000 Level 2 chargers in the U.S. and Canada. Wow. And these will be targeted. It's a lot, yeah. And these will be targeted at communities, say rural and urban communities that are currently underserved. Because think about where most of the charging stations are. They're in suburban areas. And there's a good reason for that, you know, like electric cars work best in a suburban environment. Take my kid to school, go to the bank, go to the grocery store, you know, go to yoga. That's perfect for an electric car. 
in an urban environment where people often don't have single family homes and where parking is at a premium and they may be taken up by, you know, it doesn't work. Same with super rural areas. EVs don't work that well in super rural areas. The distances are farther. As you just, as you just pointed out, if you were to drive your Ford pickup to tow the hay, 80 miles, you'd have to stop and charge halfway both ways. (laughs) That's not going to work, you know, because, you know, when you have that big load, you're not going to go no 300 miles on a charge with that big 24,000 pound trailer. So this plan is to get dealers into, and these will be publicly available chargers. I think it's also smart because then, you know, while you're there, will there maybe be a couple of uh, electric Cadillacs or Chevrolets parked nearby so that you can think, I think I might like that one better than the one I have. No, I think sure. it's smart. Of course they're going to do that. Yeah. What it is, it, um, it boils down Well, hold on. It boils down to um, money. the fact that we need more infrastructure for charging yeah. is what you're talking about. When you hear that that's word, what they're doing that's here. what it is. Exactly. Continue. That's what they're doing here. They're spending $750 million to Whew. do this. Wow. And, you know, I think it's a good idea. And here's a statistic that I found fascinating. Somebody from GM, the vice president of GM EV Ecosystem, said this. Nearly 90% of the U.S. population lives within 10 miles of a GM dealership. Oh. That's pretty impressive. Wow, yeah. Lots of them out there. That's what you said, 40,000. There's probably, I don't know, how. do, do we know how many their uh, dealers are out there, actually? Because, you know, like here in my little town in Oregon where I live, we have a decent sized Chevrolet dealer, but we have a little tiny Ford dealer. And I thought, you know, it's funny because yeah. you go to a little town like Susanville, California. You go there on the way to Reno. In Susanville, there used yeah, there's to be. A, there's a prison there, actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> but there used to be a Ford dealer that was literally, it was like, I, I mean, if they had 10 new cars, that was it. It was the tiniest little thing. But today they make them have these mega dealerships, which then also you know, gives them room to have a fueling station or a charging station in this case. Right. And I, I think people, well, you know, need this kind of stuff. So it's a good idea. Here's what I do know. A thousand dealerships have already enrolled in the program and one dealership, a Chevy dealership has already installed their chargers. And that is in Wisconsin, I believe. Oh, well, it's uh, cold Wheeler, in the winter. Chevrolet in Wisconsin. Yeah, right. Yeah. So... Cold so, weather they want to also put in changes. 40. And of yep. course, there's going to be more than one charger per dealership. You know, there's going to be multiples. Yeah, right, right, right. Because one wouldn't do much good because, you know, if they're no, coming there no. specific. You know, like I'll give you a good example. In Los Angeles, where I used to do this show, there's a Ford dealer. The biggest, by volume, they sell more Fords than any Ford dealer in the world. They're not the biggest by land mass, mm-hmm. just by volume. They have a restaurant on site while you're waiting for your mm-hmm. car, you can go into, it's called the horseless carriage. Fantastic food. I got to tell you, they have like a, a world-class chef. They have a car collection across the street. They have a Shelby dealership They, you know, Galpin is a huge conglomerate and, and the Galpin family yeah. I'm friends with, but they're so smart and because it's an ecosystem. Be nicer. Exactly. So you know who they are. Yeah, it's it's an ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and they really, you know, people they get a customer, and the customers are like, no, no, my dealership, no matter what it is, because they have Porsche and Subaru and Mazda and all, you know, Lamborghini and Jaguar. I don't know what else they have, but they have it all. 
they stick with that. And that is such smart business and adding an infrastructure of charging so that even if you don't have a General Motors vehicle, it's still a charging station. You may end up with one because you're like you said, you're there. You're going to walk around built in smart, smart business. Yep. And they're probably going to have some little, you know, like when you go to the gas station, that video comes up that says, would you like to know more about how to make your own checks? Mix totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, yep. they'll have something like that. Uh, you know, our electric car has a 350 mile range. There how much you does go. yours have? There and you then it, it's all part of marketing. But you're also serving the community at the same time by making those chargers available to people that have other brands of vehicles. Well, you can find this information, autotrader.com, 40,000 charging stations possibly for your electric car at a General Motors dealership near you. Take a little break with brianmoody.com from Autotrader. There's a whole lot more to go. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. It is the drive all across America. We're talking with Brian Moody. He's the executive editor, autotrader.com. Now, if you're looking for a new car and a lease in particular, uh, Brian from uh, Autotrader has the cheapest lease deals for December. And I think there are some good ones, Brian. There are some good ones. Um, Usually when we talk about discounted stuff or good deals, we're almost never talking about SUVs because those are in demand. Right. But... I'm sure you've noticed that some incentive programs have started to creep back in, right? Some commercials on TV, some ads on the internet. So here's a good one, and it's a decent car too, right? So this is the Buick Encore GX, and that is a small SUV, but it's actually very nice inside. It has more than 50 cubic feet of cargo space when you fold the rear seats down, and you can lease one of these. For $3,500 down, that's on the border of being kind of a lot to put down, but the payment is $205 a month, Ah, and it's for 24 months. Yeah. So this is for, if you aren't sure what you want, two years is going to go by fast, you know, there's one. Also, another GM, which is the Chevy Trax, $199 a month for 24 months. This one also, just a slight bit money down, a little bit less than that, $3,400. Man, I don't know about you, but I get the Buick. I don't know if I would. You know what's funny is for hundred dollars. I, I have know. a Jeep. I paid sixty grand for it. That's what they're going for. It's a Rubicon Gladiator diesel. I got, and I had to pay sixty grand for it because again, that's what they're going for. The payment I put down ten thousand bucks. Ten thousand bucks. Payment's nine hundred and fifty dollars wow. a month. It's like, like yeah. And I, you know what? It's like I, it's my business. It's like I, I live in a car, as you know. I mean, I'm constantly doing all kinds of things. I really wanted that car, but I thought if I didn't have a, a rental property that's paying for it for me, I mean to tell you. So these prices sounds like such a bargain to me. And I think to myself every now and then, I like I punch myself right in the throat. Like, what did you do? You're stuck with this thing now. You know. <laughs> anyway, what else well, you got? If your whole goal is low payments, listen to this. 2022 Hyundai Venue. That's a small SUV, right? Right, right. $3,200 down, 
And for 36 months, your payment will be 151 per month. God. That's a cell phone That's payment. Pretty killer. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, right. <laughs> exactly right. Especially if you're paying for your whole family. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kia Forte, something similar, about uh, three grand down, 209 per month for 24 months. Also, a car that I really personally like quite a bit. That's the Mazda CX30. It's fun. It's got a little turbocharged engine. It feels nice inside. To yeah. me, it's about a $25,000 car, but it feels like it, it drives more like a forty thousand dollar car yeah, for me. No, That's the good. Mazda CX thirty. Yep. The lease offer is three grand down, two twenty five per month. A bargain. Again, yep. if your goal is low payments, there's some choices for there you. There you go. All right. You can find this information, uh, autotrader.com. It is the cheapest lease deals for December. December's kind of a good time to buy a car because a lot of the new models are coming out. They're trying to get rid of some of their old models. They have some incentives. And autotrader.com, yeah. you can do all the shopping and get all that yes, kind sir. of stuff. Yes. And do, you know, find out what your car is worth. That's a cool thing. Search your own car, see what other people are selling theirs for, and you may go, holy mackerel, my car's worth more than I thought it was. And then also check, obviously, kbb.com and see what the Kelly Blue Book says. We'll take a break. We got one more with Brian Moody. I don't even know what he's going to talk about, but it's always good. Be right back. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. And my guest right now is my friend, Brian Moody, executive editor of autotrader.com. You know, we had our, our mutual friend, Carl Brower, on talking about uh, high mileage cars with the potential long lifespan I've seen cars, Carl. I'm sorry, I was talking with Carl before. Uh, Brian, I've seen cars with 500,000 miles on them in Texas. I was like, 500,000 miles? Yeah. They just keep Probably going. It was a Honda Accord, believe it or not. I was like, yeah, but you're right. Those yeah, Tahoes are that. high mileage on those suckers, too. Okay, so I, I know. I trader all the time looking for stuff, you know? Yeah. And you're like. You can still get ten grand for a Tahoe that's got like two hundred and fifty on the clock because <laughs> they last. They do, they do. Well made machines we have today on the road. What else do you have for us now? I know you do a lot of studies at Auto Trader. 
So, yeah, we're talking about uh, this is actually Kelly Blue Book information ah. that's about the average transaction price. There's reason to believe that the prices of new and used cars could be coming down soon. And here's a little bit of why. The new vehicle inventory is up a little bit. That's Finally. a good sign. Yeah. The average used car listing price is down for October. So it's about 27.5. That's down from what well, I think it was an all-time high of in the 28,000. So that's coming down. We also know that wholesale prices on used cars are coming down just slightly, and that usually translates into better retail prices down the road. However, the weird thing is the average new car listing price is up. It's over $46,000. Wow. So that's kind of curious. And then we also know that the average transaction price, this is the uh, you know, the actual price that people are paying, right. not including incentives or fees, that's actually up. And that was as of October, and that's over $48,000. One thing to keep in mind, though, this isn't just like when we say, oh, the average transaction price of this is the average of all different types of cars, right? It's been going up over time. But unlike in past years or quarters or whatever you want to say, one of the things that's driving the average price up is that more people that are buying new cars are buying luxury cars. So right now, luxury purchases in new cars is about 20%. In the past, it's been much lower than that. So that, of course, skews the whole prices up. So don't hear this and think I can't get a good deal. You still can get a good good deal because the average price paid for a new non-luxury car is about $44,000. So that means there's many below that. So it's something to keep in mind. But still, on average, car shoppers in the non-luxury segment paid nearly $700 above sticker price, which is – just down slightly from September. So there's evidence that prices could come down, but they're still quite high for most people right now. I still cannot imagine asking, you know, for a used truck. And I have a 2012 GMC one-ton dually that I desold. It's a nice truck. It only has 53,000 miles on it. Matter of fact, it's at the detail shop as we speak. I thought I would treat my car for Christmas, my truck, to a detail <laughs> because I saw the guy and he goes, hey, he goes, we're slow if you need anything done. I said, heck, yeah, there's cow poo all over my truck. I'm bringing it in. He laughed. So it's over there. But I see these things, you know, 10 years old, 10 years old, 45, 55, $60,000. Yeah. Wow. And then, of course, I, I now know why, because when you look at the price of new ones, 80, 90, $100,000 for these big diesel four-wheel drive crew cab trucks. Good Lord. I remember when they were, you know, like an expensive new truck was 50 grand. It's doubled in price in the last, I don't know, what's oh my been, gosh. five Dude, years. Listen to what you're saying. You're yeah. starting to sound like an old person. I, I know it. When <laughs> I you know. could buy a candy bar for a nickel. You know, I remember a quarter. I literally, you know, you go to the dollar store. Have you noticed? I went into the dollar store. This is a true story as we will wrap up the show with this. I am a dollar store shopper. Yeah, they're a dollar twenty-five now. It's not even. It's called the dollar store. I said I refuse. Your name says the dollar store, and the girl's like, "I'm sorry, it's you know, it's inflation. Where this and that." I go, "I'm sorry, I'm only paying a dollar. It's the name of the store. It's like Motel Six used to be six dollars. Uh huh. Right. Yeah, sixty-five dollar. Everything's. It's just yeah. I guess I am getting old. I don't know. 
Wait, I don't is that know. Really, why Motel Six is called Motel Six? I don't know. I I, I just assume, you know, Motel Eight, <laughs> Motel Seven. At least they'll keep the light on for us, Brian. Uh, you can find all this yeah. information, by the way, at AutoTrader.com. That last one was KBB.com, Kelly Blue Book, transaction prices and what have you. Brian Moody, you're a, a, a stud, man. You are absolutely. I'm uh, a gem. <laughs> you're a gem. <laughs> That's it for us. Time to go have some fun. It's the weekend, for goodness sakes. I got to go feed the cows. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Thank you, Brian. Later. Later, everybody. Discover the 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family. Featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability. Plus, a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com wilderness.